As Les mentioned, if you've been here with us for the last number of weeks, we've been going through a series called Glimpses of Calvary, where we've been looking at some of the Old Testament stories of, uh, of what has happened and how they point towards the beautiful experience of Calvary and the sacrifice of Jesus. And so today, as we remember on Good Friday the death of the Lord Jesus, I want us to go back to another glimpse of Calvary in the Old Testament called the Passover Lamb. And this was a feast and a, and a sacrifice that was instituted by the Lord for the children of Israel to remember the great deliverance that God had for them when they came out of the land of Egypt. Now, we've looked at a few different things over the past few weeks. We looked at first the offering of Isaac. And in that offering, we saw the, the willingness of the father to lay down, to, to send his son. As we remember the, one of the most famous verses in the Bible, John 3, 16, for, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, the free gift of God that he's given to us. And so we see in this offering of Isaac as it points towards Calvary, we see the willingness of the father to give his son. We see the willingness of the son to, to lay down his life. As Jesus said, no man takes my life from me, but I willingly lay it down in order to fulfill the will of God. We saw after that about the brazen serpent that Moses lifted up in, uh, in the wilderness. And the children of Israel, after they rebelled and there were snakes that were biting them, and if they would look to this brazen serpent, then they would be healed. And it pointed forward towards Jesus and how Jesus on the cross hung for us. That the Bible says that those that hang on a tree or hang on a cross are cursed and so Jesus took the curse for us. He broke the curse by hanging on the cross. The very specific glimpse that points towards Calvary is the fact that Jesus has broken the curse for us. No longer are we under that curse. And by his stripes, by the beating that he took, we are healed. In the similar way in which as they looked to that serpent on the cross, they were healed. And it was a beautiful glimpse that we saw we, see, we saw in Isaiah 53 about the suffering servant. The children of Israel, they were looking for a conquering king to come and establish the kingdom of Israel back like how it was in the glory days of David and King Solomon. But what they didn't realize was that the Messiah wasn't going to come as a conquering king, but instead he was going to come as the suffering servant for the lost sheep of Israel. And we saw how Jesus suffered for us, prophesied so beautifully in the book of Isaiah chapter 53, the sufferings of Christ that lead to the glory of the gospel. And then last week we saw about the day of atonement and how the high priest came into the most holy place only once a year with the blood of animals in order to atone for himself, his family, and for all of the children of Israel. And that glimpse pointed us forward to what Jesus would do and how Jesus went into the most holy place, not with the blood of animals or other people's blood, but with his own blood, the blood that he shed on the cross, the blood that we just remembered now when we partook of the the body and blood of the Lord. Jesus himself, as our great high priest, went into the most holy place with his own blood and purchased eternal redemption for us forever. The Old Testament priests, they had to continue to do it year after year after year. Jesus, once and for all, as we remember today on Good Friday, went into that most holy place and purchased our redemption forever. 
And so today, as we look at this Passover lamb, we understand that what happened at that time, the children of Israel, they came into the land of Egypt um, during the days of Joseph. Uh, And they were escaping a famine that was all throughout the land, and Joseph had food for them. And so they came into the land of Egypt, and they were sustained there. But after about 400 years or so, they ended up in captivity, in bondage to Pharaoh and to the Egyptians. They were in a place of servitude. They didn't have any freedom. And their cries went up to the Lord to say, set us free from this bondage. And so God sent a man named Moses to come to Egypt and to help deliver the children of Israel from bondage. And so he came there, and as he came, he did signs and wonders and miracles, and he amazed the people. Water turned to blood, locusts filled the land, darkness came upon the place, so many other uh, plagues that came upon the Egyptians. And the very last plague that came was known as the plague of the death angel, where the angel would come upon the whole land, upon Egypt, And every firstborn child in the land of Egypt died. It was God's judgment upon Pharaoh and upon Egypt to say, let my people go that they may serve me. And so that was the very last plague. But in order to protect the children of Israel, God instituted a sacrifice that would later on be celebrated as a feast. And it's known as the Passover lamb. Joined together, later on it would be called the Feast of Unleavened Bread. That they would celebrate the remembrance of God's deliverance for them. And what happened is that they would slay this, uh, this animal, this lamb or a goat, and they would take the blood and they would put the blood on the doorposts and the lintels of their house. And so on that fateful night when the death angel came and, dis- and killed the firstborn in each house, when he saw the houses of the children of Israel and he saw the blood... He passed over them. He skipped them. The death angel didn't come into that house. And so we remember in this sacrifice of Jesus, we remember that Jesus actually is our Passover. As it says there in the book of Corinthians, Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed for us to protect us, to cover us with his blood. And when you look at the sacrifices, there's a few glimpses that we see that point forward to the the, the beauty of uh, of Jesus and the clarity of the cross. We see, uh, first of all, we see how the animal had to be without blemish. They couldn't take an animal that had any defects or any problems with it. And it points to the fact that Jesus was the sinless sacrifice. He knew no sin. He did no sin. There was no sin in him. Jesus was the perfect sinless sacrifice. And because he was the perfect sinless sacrifice, he was able to pay for our eternal redemption. And so they had to find that kind of lamb. And it pointed to, it was was a little glimpse. We got a little picture, an idea of what the sacrifice would actually need to look like in its reality and its clarity. And it had to be without blemish. Everyone had to kill an animal. And they had to put the blood on on their doorposts. Each family had to kill an animal. And we understand from this about the power in the blood. And it was a glimpse. It was foreshadowing to something greater that would happen through the blood of Jesus. Have you ever heard the expression, or maybe you've prayed the, prayed the, the, the prayer this way as well. 
Lord Jesus, please cover me with your precious blood. Have you ever prayed like that? Lord, please cover my children with your precious blood. Have you ever prayed like that before? Well, do you know where that comes from? It comes from the Passover sacrifice when they, they put the, the blood on the doorposts and on the lintels. And so they were covered with the blood. They were protected by the blood. Because of that sacrifice, the death angel skipped over. The death angel passed over. There was a protection. There was a covering. And so this, this application of the blood on the posts and on the lintels points forward to what Jesus would do in covering us. With his blood, isn't that an amazing thing? In forgiving us with his blood. The word of God says that without the shedding of blood, there is no redemption, there is no remission, there is no forgiveness of sins. And so blood had to be shed. The sacrifice had to be roasted in the fire. It points to, as we read before in Isaiah 53, how Jesus was the suffering servant. It pointed forward to the fact that it wasn't going to be a conquering king but it was going to be a king who would suffer. And so as this, this animal was, was roasted in the fire and, and gone through the, uh, the fire in a similar way, Jesus went through the fire of suffering for us, for you, and for me. It, it, it's a beautiful picture that it points forward to the beauty of Calvary. And finally, they had to eat the feast with unleavened bread and bitter herbs. And now the bread that I broke here, it was leavened bread, but the bread that they actually used was, was flat, unleavened bread, no yeast that would make the bread to rise. And they did this because as, as the, uh, the Apostle Paul says in Corinthians that we need to also put away the, the bread or the leaven of malice and wickedness and sin and celebrate this feast with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. See, one aspect of coming to Calvary, one aspect of coming to Jesus, one aspect of coming to the cross is, is deep repentance. It's a turning away of our, of our sin, turning away of our malice and wickedness and sinfulness, and turning to Jesus in sincerity and truth. And it can be a difficult experience. That's why they had to eat it with bitter herbs. And sometimes the, the humbling of ourselves and acknowledging, yes, I'm a sinner, the humbling of ourselves and saying, yes, I failed and I haven't lived up to the glory of God and the purpose of God, it's a bitter experience in acknowledging that for ourselves. But as we humble ourselves and come to Jesus in sincerity and truth, with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth, there is forgiveness with Jesus. There is cleansing. There is purification. There is sanctification. Let's come to the Lord in that sincerity and truth, the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. If I look at the picture of Calvary and I look at the picture of the gospel in its fullness, I'll say four things of what Jesus did for us. As we've covered for the past few weeks and as I just sort of uh, summarized this morning as well. First, Jesus bled. It goes back to what we studied last Sunday on the Day of Atonement. Jesus went into the most holy place with his own blood, not with the blood of animals, but with his own blood. He bled. Could Jesus have died another way without bleeding? Yeah, people die all the time without bleeding. But what would happen to our sins if Jesus died without bleeding? He shed his blood so that our sins could be forgiven. Jesus hung on the cross. Could Jesus have died another way without hanging on the cross? Sure, lots of people die other ways instead of hanging on the cross. 
But then what would happen to the curse? Jesus could have shed his blood and died another way, but the curse would still be there. But he hung on the cross, as we saw with the brazen serpent, that glimpse of the brazen serpent, he hung on the cross to deal with the curse and destroy that curse for us. Jesus was beaten. Before he hung on the cross, he took the stripes. He was beaten, beaten, and beaten so terribly. But the word of God says that he was beaten for the healing of our lives, for the healing of our body and our soul and our spirit. Could Jesus have skipped over that beating? Of course. Jesus could have bled out. Jesus could have hung on the cross and he could have skipped all of the beating. But then where would our healing be? He was beaten so that we might be healed. He was beaten so that you can receive healing. And lastly, he died. That's what we remember today on Good Friday. Could Jesus have shed his blood, hung on the cross, been beaten, and then at the last moment while he was hanging on the cross, he could have said, Father, okay, now send some legions of angels, take me down from the cross, that's it for me. He could have. He even said that. He said, I can call legions of angels to come and help me. Our sins would be forgiven. The curse would have been dealt with. There would be healing. But there would be something missing if he didn't die. What was that? The Passover gives us the glimpse. On that Passover day, that first Passover day, there was death throughout Egypt. People were scared. People were fearful. People were like, is my house going to be next? Is my child going to be next? There was a fear of death that was gripping the people. And even if you were a child of Israel, you had the blood on, on your doorway. That was going to protect you. We know the story now. But maybe if you put yourself in their shoes, maybe there was a fear. I'm hearing all the wailing. I'm hearing the crying. I'm seeing that the, the houses in Egypt, their people are dying. What's going to happen to us? Well, let me tell you, this is the beautiful part of the story of redemption and of the cross, that Jesus died specifically to destroy the works of the devil and to destroy the fear of death. He, he bled for our forgiveness. He hung to destroy the curse. He was beaten for our healing, and he died to destroy the works of the devil. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 14 says, Because God's children are human beings made of flesh and blood, the Son also became flesh and blood. Jesus came and took upon him the form of humanity. For only as a human being could he die, and only by dying could he break the power of the devil who had the power of death. If we look at the story of the Passover, Pharaoh and the Egyptians represent to us the world and, and the enemy of our souls, the devil. And God in his deliverance out of Egypt broke the power of Pharaoh, spiritually speaking, breaks the power of the devil and lets the children of Israel go. And we get that glimpse in the Passover story, but we see the reality in the story of Jesus and the cross. That because Jesus died, he broke the power of the devil he broke the power of sin. Whom the Son sets free is free indeed. And that was broken. Not only that, 
the fear of death was broken. Maybe you're here today and you're scared to die. Maybe you're here today and you don't know what's coming later on. Let me tell you the next verse. Only in this way could he set free all who have lived their lives as slaves to the fear of dying. Jesus died so that we can be set free from the fear of death. Jesus tasted death on our behalf. He went through the agony on our behalf. Friends, Jesus bled so that we can be forgiven. He hung so that our curse can be dealt with. He was beaten so that we can receive healing. And he died so that we could be set free from the power of the devil. As the children of Israel on that fateful night were in Egypt and fear was all around as the death angel went from house to house to house to house and darkness was upon the land, there was light in the houses of the children of Israel. There was hope in the houses of the children of Israel. There was life in the houses of the children of Israel because they were protected by the blood. They were protected because of the slain animal at the Passover. And today we are protected. We are covered by the blood from the eternal sacrifice of Jesus, the Lamb of God, slain from the foundation of the world. The worship team is going to come now and they're going to light your candles. We're going to do a little candlelight vigil here tonight as we remember what Jesus has done for us. You would have received a candle when you came, came forward. And as they come, please just be careful and you can help light one another's candle as well as they, as they come down. But as we have been looking at, even on Sunday and today, and as we'll see even on, uh, uh, on, on Sunday as well coming up, Jesus conquered the darkness. Jesus conquered sin. There was light in the houses of Israel. There was darkness in the houses of Egypt. But there was light in the houses of Israel. There was death in the houses of Egypt. There was life in the houses of Israel. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. And he calls us to be lights as well. He calls us to shine our light. To shine that light in the darkness. He came to redeem us that we might have life. Whether we realize it or not, we are separated from God. There's a barrier between us. The Bible says that that barrier is like a veil 
In the same way a veil covers the glory and the beauty of a bride on her wedding day, this barrier, this veil, separates us from the glorious light of God. Sin is that barrier. It's our sin, our pride, it's our selfishness that separated us. And there we were in the dark, lonely and hopeless. But God, rich in mercy and full of love, like a desperate father looking for a runaway child, he came after us. He so desperately wanted that barrier to be broken for that veil to be torn down that whatever the cost, whatever the price, he was willing to pay it. And that price was his son. And his son took the pain and the punishment upon his own back. He allowed the nails of our sin into his hands and into his feet. He hung on a cross, and just like us, he was alone in the darkness. But what seemed to be a shocking defeat was instead the greatest act of love we'd ever seen. Because the moment he died was the same moment that the barrier was destroyed. The veil that separated us from God was at last torn wide open. And when it was all said and done, there was only one name that remained. 